Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Rikindi. Join me as we dive deep to unlock the secrets of living a healthier, happier life. Today we're joined by Saria Cutbush, the owner and founder of Sound Healing Australia. Saria's personal journey has guided her to practicing and studying meditation and healing through Asia, the Middle East, Europe, Central and Northern America. Saria is certified in both Taoist yin yoga and hatha yoga and has also trained in the Hawaiian traditions of kaunda bodywork and the path of shamanism for many years. Now she's helped run Sound Healing Australia, which is a platform focused on the power of sound and vibration to bring healing and relaxation. With over a decade of group facilitation experience and working within the therapeutic realm of sound, Soraya's vision is to share the healing essence of vibration and harmonics with the world. So with all of that, Soraya, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Thank you, Alexa. Beautiful introduction. (laughs) Thanks so much. Um, so when, I know when you read my name, so a lot of people get the pronunciation a little bit confusing, uh, confused. So it's Soraya. Soraya. Oh, I do apologize, Soraya. Uh, so <laughs> okay. did you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, what actually led you to starting Sound Healing Australia? What was your journey like? So it's kind of been, it's interesting reflecting back on it because I kind of see that there's been breadcrumbs throughout my whole life that just like anyone where you're realizing that all of the pieces of the puzzle sort of comes together when you're really stepping into your dharma. And so I grew up between the Byron Shire and India in living in ashrams with my parents and you know ashram lifestyle if anyone knows it um you would know that it, you know, that it it's a lot of dedication uh, for those that are in it. But it is also the path of, yeah, committing to your spiritual practice and devotion. And the tradition that my parents were in, which is a city yoga tradition, the main essence um, and the main sadhana practice was kirtan, chanting. So... Um, of course, there was all the other aspects of yoga, the asana, the meditation, the breath work, but mantra was a really, really key aspect um, that this tradition focused on. So I grew up with having mantra as my main tool, which is, of course, working with sound to calm the mind. And then throughout my teenage years, um, I rebelled just like any teenager and I my mum actually ended up opening a recording studio so she ended up falling in love after spending 20 years as her heart home of India she fell in love with Israel and the powerful um, prayer that happened in Hebrew and there was some recording artists, some amazing musicians that released this work that essentially is singing prayers that um, were all in Hebrew and mum was recording them in her recording studio. So that was probably, I don't know, five, ten year journey of sort of sitting in recording studios. A lot of them were sound healers as well, like using Tibetan bowls and different instruments for different healing practices. Um, So that was, yeah, I guess that took me back to Australia as well. And just having that connection of working with all different um, cultures at that point. And then I went into theatre. So I went to uni and studied theatre and I was really passionate about human psychology at that point and understanding what makes us, um, what motivates our decisions and, you know, as humans, what makes us tick. And the theatre world was an incredible learning process. Once I graduated from my degree, I moved to Vancouver and worked in the film industry as well. And obviously I was doing a lot of voice work and a lot of movement work at that point because that's what it's all about when you're working um, as a performer. And I went on my own path, my own journey of uh, inner findings. And I, I, yeah, traveled the world 
I spent a lot of time in North America with indigenous cultures and um, specifically right up north, the border of Alaska and Canada and in a really remote town um, where it was like in the summer, it was like 20 hours of sunlight. <laughs> and um, and then spent a lot of time in Asia, like India was still my heart home. I was going back quite a lot and spent a lot of time, um, you know, in different cultures throughout Asia, just really on this seeking path of understanding myself more deeply. But the root of it always came back to sound um, because it and the Middle East was a place that really drew me in as well that I spent a lot of time in. And throughout Europe, there was a lot of, um, you know, if you go back to the root of Celtic cultures, it's it's even the sound is, is the root of a lot of the healing work there. So, yeah, I guess then I eventually moved home and I trained with my incredible teachers that I felt so blessed to be initiated in um, different traditions and shamanic traditions and I got a job at the Crystal Castle. I don't know if anyone knows it, but it's a beautiful piece of land with incredibly powerful pillars um, and frequencies with these these large crystals, like the biggest crystals found in the world, <laughs> all in wow. one spot. And um, also in the hinterland, like around the corner from right where I grew up. So obviously, like, I really believe that wherever we are on the planet has different healing activations with different land. Um, so... Yeah, and then I got asked to start. Um, we sold crystal singing bowls at the Crystal Castle as well and other instruments. And I got asked to actually start running and creating the workshops there. So I hired a team of facilitators. I wrote the workshops on crystals, on meditation, on different puja and ceremonies, on sound healings, and then trained up a team and it was kind of just full time facilitating for thousands of people every week. And it was such an incredible learning process. And, you know, sometimes there were kids that that were age two coming into sessions and el up to elderly and from all walks of life. And that's what I really loved about being there is that I was able to, it was kind of like a playground of exploration because it's pretty rare that you would have access to working with such a broad range of people. Um, this is a long story. And then That's I fell beautiful. pregnant. <laughs> um, and I, so I met my partner at the Crystal Castle. I hired him as a facilitator and um, trained him in, he was already doing sound healing work, but trained him in, you know, the facilitation skills. And, and then we, you know, fell in love <laughs> and when I fell pregnant um seven months into the pregnancy I decided that it was time to, like at this time when I was at the Crystal Castle I was really I was doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one healing work in my client with my clients and and I could was doing a lot of tours down to Sydney and Melbourne offering sound healings as well but I still had the Crystal Castle um there because as I said it was just such a powerful place for me to um to grow and learn and I just I loved the fact that when I went on that land it felt like it it balanced me just by being on that land so when I birthed Bubba um we also about six months before she came along we birthed Sound Healing Australia my partner and I with this vision that sound healing would become as you know as ubiquitous and common and popular just as yoga studios and eventually there'd just be sound healing studios opening up around the world and of course um i could i really like because i spend a lot of time in north america and i always say that they're really progressive with all of their you know alternative practices and i'd i'd already experienced a lot of sound healing work over there um and I, it hadn't really, you know, it wasn't so huge in Australia. There was a lot of people that I met that had been, that still hadn't experienced um, sound healing before at that point. So when we birthed Sound Healing Australia, part of the vision was not just 
giving, you know, introducing people to this experience of such deep state of being, which is why we call our session Sound of Being, um, bringing them into that place of just remembering who they really are, where, um, you know, that word healing, the root of it actually translates in as to make whole. So we really saw this vision as like bringing the participants into remembering their wholeness and, um, you know, how big a change that could happen, that have on the world if everyone was gifted that opportunity, even just for an hour and a half, because then that ripple effect in their community and their family and their friends, you know, can inspire, can inspire a frequency shift. So then the trainings birthed because we recognized that part of um, what was happening when sound healing started to get really popular was there was people, you know, beautifully intuitively working with these powerful instruments. But we personally recognized that, um, you know, we had our own experience with contraindications, uh, us not listening to what we had been taught with contraindications and that not being so supportive for our health. So we realized that um, we wanted to create, you know, share the structure and the power and the healing and the, you know, possible contraindications that could happen um, and the history and really so the, you know, trainings could be a transmission of um, how powerful this could be as a modality. So our trainings are, yeah, sound of being facilitator trainings and that birthed, I mean, Sound Hill Australia, I think birthed seven years ago and trainings were just a couple of years after that. So, yeah, and then here we are now. We, you know, tour Australia and offer our events and just feel so blessed, so utterly blessed to do what we love. And, you know, I'm right now, I'm in our healing clinic where we see one-on-one clients and we work with kids, we work with adults and we work with complete beginners or people that have been on their journey for a really long time. And Maddie and I, you know, have a toolkit of various healing modalities as well. So we um, often, you know, in our training, we bring in that toolkit as well. So it's and in our sessions. Yeah, beautiful. And so, like how, um, you know, practicing sun for so many years and really um, growing in that space, how does sound work and how is it just so powerful to embody this type of healing I mean particularly for yourself who has spent so much time in ashrams and you know has gone all over the world um with this intention of growing spiritually um and just expanding and you have uh, zoned in on sound as that key element why would you say that is so everything on this planet is vibration and so like every cell in our body um every every thought, every emotion is a certain frequency and vibration. And so if we look at our body like an orchestra and all of the instruments are playing in harmony with each other when we're in a state of balance, um, but when we're in disharmony occurs, so when an instrument sort of isn't playing in tune with another instrument, then that's when dis-ease can sort of manifest in the body and in the mind. So I guess... I really believe that it's really important to embody um, a practice before offering and teaching it. And this was definitely my own journey of healing um, that I could recognize that these either sacred instruments or um, the power of the voice using sound with mantras could help supported me. You know, I, ha- I have ha- been on a big journey like so many of us. Um, my own healing journey and that was you know physical health stuff challenges as well as a lot of emotional um, journeying and even my initiation into motherhood was really huge so I just I feel really grateful that I've had this practice to keep coming back to and I yeah I guess it's uh, the key aspect is working with frequencies to bring the frequency of us back into its natural optimal state and science has, um, you know, science has researched this is incredible scientists that have worked between bridging that gap between the science and sound healing as a therapy. And I remember even at high school, I used to listen to Robert Monroe's um, Brainwave 
balances when I was studying and um, I don't know if you've ever seen Bruce Lipton talk, but he's incredible with like bridging the gap. And um, Jonathan Goldman is another, you know, powerful teacher that that is has been working with sound for 30 years that that shares a lot of wisdom as well. So there's, you know, there are a lot of people out there that come at it from the scientific perspective. And Maddie is incredibly passionate about that as well, because his background um I guess he is more of the masculine mind where he quite enjoys understanding the effects on everything on a physiological level as well. But I have always been a very intuitive being and, um, you know, I've been an energy, my mum was an energy healer and I've been doing energy work since I was really young and I just feel it. I just know, I, I feel it in my being, how it shifts me. I know that when I'm in that really nourishing place in my nervous system. And I know that the sound can guide me to that place of nourishment. And I've witnessed it, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of times with participants in sessions. And it's it's a gift, it's such a gift to the world. And I feel it's really exciting where it's going right now. It's like that it is becoming so well-known um, and easily applicable into you know i think the busier our lives get the more important these tools become definitely and even like different instruments so would you um have all of these various musical instruments around you and then intuitively feel what you want to play in order to help uh guide that room or or that specific person um how do you know you know how to play or what to play or um uh, you mean when we're conducting sessions? Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, every instrument has a very different need depending on what's happening in the space. And every, um, you know, it also depends on the, if you're aiming for disharmony or harmony, and obviously the disharmony is really important to break energy up and the harmonising is really important. So I really feel, you know, what we bring in the trainings we're not like in our sessions it's not just a sound healing um that's why we call it the sound of being so there really is like a it's a journey i don't know if you know the um the the journey in yogic philosophy of working through the lotus um the blooming lotus and so we really work with working with the pranayama practice and the breath work and weaving in that shamanic work and working with our guides and um, doing energy work in the session as well as uh, working with pratyahara as a meditation practice and and then guiding them so we're preparing them into that place of like safety which is really a key part as well which is why with our trainings it's it's a really trauma-informed training we maddie and i have our um incredible couples therapist who has been doing this I think I shared with you when we spoke on the phone and first met um you know she's been doing this work for 40 years and she she's so such an inspiration and um yeah we we feel that that is a key aspect of why uh participants are also able to go so deep on top of all of the frequencies and the balances that happen on that level as well and you're talking about, um, you know, healing and having this as a medium in order for you to um, heal whatever you had gone through um, and, uh, you know, really trying to let go. Um, you know, it's interesting because you grew up in a um, ashram, you know, with your parents being what seems to be quite spiritual. So, you know, one could imagine they were quite conscious beings, um, you know, when they had you. And so I'm sure they were quite aware and conscious of um, you as a, as a child growing up and understand we all face adversity. Do you feel that there would ever be a state of um, existence where there would be no adversity, that you would eventually start to release, 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 release until there's nothing left to release? Or do you find that there would always be this continuous, you know, cyclical thing and uh, sound could be a tool to help you calm down and get back to center um, so you can deal with whatever is next? Yeah, I mean, I my parents are incredibly conscious individuals, but and I believe my partner and I are conscious parents as well. But I don't believe anyone is perfect, and I I believe on a soul level that we choose to incarnate because we're preparing 
we're ready for growth and expansion and so we choose our parents and we choose you know our soul family because we're like okay this incarnation this is what I'm really want to be bringing through to learn and grow from and so that you know I always see that whenever there's a challenge that sort of arises in me how can I look at it from that place of how how can I lean in um, to the healing and how can I go can I come into a place of expansion on the other side and of course, there's times when I you can spiral into the the shadow, and the shadow work is if it wasn't there, I don't think we would even recognize the power of of the light <laughs> as well. Um, you know that dichotomy is incredibly important just in our world and in our lives. Just like I really see it with sound that. The most important aspect and this is in you know the yogic traditions that there's the most important aspect of a mantra is actually the set the silence at the end of the mantra and that's called um the amrita so which is the nectar where you actually receive so it's it's the same in a sound healing like the silence in between the sound is where the juice is where the beautiful power and, and healing is and um it's just like in life like in in between the the busyness and the chaos and when we stop and there's a stillness that's the nectar that's when we can integrate everything that's sort of has, has been pulling us out of our body but when we're coming into that place that's when we're really listening and yeah I mean in an ideal world I would love to just live in an ashram full time and I mean there's been times where I've I remember my mum like really clearly saying when she felt pregnant um she she was a year before she was going to commit to the path of being a Vedic nun <laughs> You know, so like, and it, and then she, her guides actually, when she fell pregnant, said to her, look, this is, this is the path that you're ready for, for your next growth. Um, and I really believe that we, yeah, when we step into this life, we're presented with what we're, what we're, what we're needed for our growth. And I think there's a fine line, like I really see it with my clients, there's a fine line of not being addicted to the drama too because that can also then feed um, the processing and addict to the process, you know. Yep. So that's why the spaciousness and the slowing down for integration is incredibly important, as you probably know. Because mm, you, you can go, you can definitely go on like a, a cyclical um, cyclical cycle but uh, you know where you start thinking about all these things that have gone wrong and then you you know uh, feed into it. But I, I guess there's a balance between one that's like, okay, this is really obviously showing up in my life so I need to deal with this. But then there's another thing of like continuously picking at it and picking at it and talking about it. And, you know, um, you're right, just being stuck within that drama. So you no longer can actually experience what this present moment holds and what you can actually take from it because you almost being um, withheld from your past. Yeah. And I think our ego, you know, it, it quite often wants to latch on to the drama and the story and what this is why I love sound healing and I think that it's really complementary to any of that work where you're doing the processing in that um, way through you know a psychologist holding space but it's complementary because it's allowing you to let go of the drama and the story and actually somatically come into just receiving and integrating which is so key um, and, you know, when we experience an intense event, our nervous system is so affected, obviously, when it's, it comes to trauma. And our sympathetic nervous system becomes really overactivated and putting us in that fight, flight or freeze or fawn. And so when our nervous system can't downregulate after that overwhelming event, the energy that we use in response to the event just becomes stuck and frozen in the body, which leads to the disharmony and the imbalance. So... And that frozen tension can be found, you know, in the body physically or when you're just holding your breath. And then the rest of the body then adapts to that frozen energy or a certain pain point. And so what I find when I'm doing body work or energy healing or even sound healing work is that the sound travels to that place that isn't vibrating at a lower level. 
and it naturally knows where to go and that frequency breaks up the adhesion and it could be you know that emotion which is just energy and emotion that's blocked in that place it could be a thought or belief like it you know we have all of our bodies it could be in any of the fields it could be a memory that's then linked with that that trauma that needs to be cleared but sometimes when we're just talking about it over and over again it's still the ego and this is where i think my you know yogic upbringing has really supported me in being able to understand okay so what is the ego yes we need it in our lives to survive but is it driving your car is it ruling us and um yeah i guess the main benefit of sound healing on the nervous system that helps us access all those other benefits like you know the oxygenation the blood pressure and all of it sort of promotes relaxation and deep tension and survivors of trauma and you know i have i also have worked through my own trauma in my life so i know this so embodied within my being that you deal with the high anxiety and tension in your body in your lives and it is certain um, environments that can that can trigger that even if it's not visually presenting in the body your nervous system is on hypervigilance um you know which if not correctly supported then it's it's you know then reprocessing that trauma <laughs> because you're in the hypervigilance um and it, when this space is constantly activated then it makes it so much harder to heal because when those deeply relaxed spaces are accessed it guides us into that deeper places place in healing and then that's the opportunity like i said to come into the wholeness coming in to remember who we are and actually when we're in that place who we are separate to all of the roles the masks the responsibilities that we have in our world then that's the place when we really just remember and then if we can keep coming to that place of nourishment again and again then when we're out in the world we know what that feels like our body remembers what that feels like so we can keep we can um have that as our point to yeah to to keep as our sort of like north node just our true you know star holding us in our in our vision um and i also find that what happens is when we hold on to like strong emotional charge that a traumatic response elicits, we create areas in the body where that charge is really stored. And that stored charge actually then creates the contractions, the pain physically manifesting, mood swings, restless sleep, nightmares, like so many symptoms that could be perceived as unrelated, but a lot of the time it is all, you know, everything's interconnected. And the therapeutic aspect of sound and working with vibration is it does travel through those bones, the muscles, the fascia. It can bring movement to those stagnating or contracting areas and helping that stuck energy to circulate again. Like so many times it still baffles me what, how many people we have had leave our sessions and just share like in group sessions that they haven't been able to use that move that knee or they've had back pain for 20 years and it's cleared and it's like they've tried every single type of therapy but something has shifted it and it, it, i think it to me i feel like it's all of those preparations we do before they go into the sound healing and then bring into that place of deep safety so they can finally let go of it. I mean, you could, it would only let go if they've done all the preparation work, I guess, because they've, they've connected all the, all the dots. Um, yeah. And I, I also think that I'm a really like physiological level, like I'm really passionate about working with the vagus nerve and in your ear, there is that nerve which connects to the vagus nerve. So which is the major parasympathetic nerve of the body so you know responsible for rest and digest reducing all the stress levels and that vagus nerve does help control the hormone release digestion blood glucose levels inflammation heart rate blood pressure because it's the it's the you know the one that's 
supporting the nervous system. And then there's a little branch of the vagus nerve that goes right into um, the tympanic membrane, which vibrates in response to sound waves in the ear. So that means that every sound that you process through your ears sends that information to the vagus nerve. And so if your vagus nerve is inactive or it's blocked, then it obviously won't be able to then work with nourishing the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, so when you're working with the right frequencies and you understand what, what frequencies can then support that, which is really powerful. I mean, I know that you, you're passionate about crystal singing bowls and it's such a beautiful instrument for that because it really is, um, you know, it creates that entrainment. It's really powerful for, you know, helping balance those brain waves and receiving those sounds to nourish the nervous system as well. And I feel so lucky that when I get to facilitate, I'm also receiving all those sounds and I get to go into that deep place of, you know, giving and receiving. And that's the only reason I think that we can offer like so many sound um, of being sessions in a week is because we're seeing it as like, okay, energy coming in, energy going out as we're giving the session. Mm, that's so beautiful. Um, and it's very healing. It's such a, it, I mean, that's the word that obviously comes up again and again and again and again, because it is just such a deep healing practice. Mm, yeah. And I, it's interesting with that word healing, because one of our, we do a lot of corporate um, sound of being sessions. And what we've recognized is that some people do have a block to the word healing. Like, if you've been on the path of healing, it's obviously a really nourishing word and you're like, yes, I, I understand it deep within my being. But if you're, you're new, there could be resistance. Um, so that's why I really like to break it down. It's like, okay, but what is the root of that word? It is to make whole. So then if we can remember our wholeness, and that's what I really love to explain to people if they're so, if there's any resistance to healing, um, is that you know, we're not broken, that, that we're actually just remembering. <laughs> we're remembering who we really are and that there has been all these layers that we've taken on through our environments and our external world that are blocking us remembering. So it's like, okay, how can I, um, you know, that Shrek. I love it that they, in the Shrek the movie, layers. the layers of the onion, like, oh, that's <laughs> the wrong accent, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> um yeah, I just think that that's, it's so true. It's like there's, it, it, every time I'm in, you know, one-on-one -on -one sessions, I'm so inspired by my clients because usually my clients sort of come to me. I do a three-hour healing session, which combines all various modalities. And it's every three to four months clients come and it's like, okay, we've worked on those layers. Okay, what's next? Okay, but only, we can only reach those layers because these ones have, have, have cleared. So sometimes you won't even know what the root of it is, but um, yeah, it kind of like the more layers we begin to clear, we can sort of discover what that is. And, and that's why I like to think of the breadcrumbs all leading to those exact moments, you know. And having, um, you know, having birthed uh, two beautiful children uh, while you are, um, you know, deeply part of the sound healing practice how have you found sound with your kids have you incorporated that while you were pregnant is there any um avenues around that or any classes that you facilitate for pregnant women um and and how does that work oh so, yeah sound can be very powerful um in pregnancy and if you look at any cultures around the world it's it's been used during birth um in traditions all over the world in some way shape or form and I did use sound in both my um, pregnancies and births. And, you know, there's so many changes that a pregnant woman goes through um, and so many hormones just running wild, which can then often create an emotional roller coaster for a pregnant woman or more sensitive or more reactive or way hungrier. Um, and I guess sound gives us that tool to be able to um, hold space for those emotions that feel out of our control because when we're having such big hormone surges it can feel I know for me personally it was like really it was a shock it was PMS 
times 100. <laughs> um, and supporting us in moving through the emotions through the body rather than suppressing them or reacting to them, which I think is, is really key. Because if we're able to, I kind of see that every birth, um, every pregnancy is a rite of passage. And especially when we go through that rite of passage, walking through the veil of birth, and maybe that isn't a physical birth. Maybe it is a creative birth, whether you're, you're bringing something through. So it doesn't necessarily have to be in motherhood. But as women, we do go through that stage from maiden to mother in some way, shape or form in our lives. And, um, you know, sound is the portal into presence. And... It gives the mind something to focus on, which can then help the body soften. It can help the body surrender rather than resist and react. And there are also the contraindications that are important to understand with pregnant women using the instruments of sound, which is why um, we've created just like a beginner's workshop for people if they want to use the crystal bowls um, that just sort of explains just basic contraindications and the history and basic techniques of working with crystal singing bowls. Um, and because sound can travel up to one and a half kilometers per second in water and our body is made of 80% water and the womb, <laughs> the bubber is in, is surrounded by water. So, of course, there are amazing benefits, but it's also something just to be aware of as well with sound. And yeah, it's something I'm really, really passionate about. I mean, I've spent, I, I, I think, eight years running women's retreats and um women's circles and i definitely feel like that's calling me again i haven't been able to do that since i became a mother because of the time that that takes to be away from the kiddlies kiddlywinks um but i can see that as having two daughters now you know i can see that that even it's even more important for me because I'm supporting, I mean, any mother, if it's a daughter or a son, but I can really see like in that matriarchal line, how important it is for me to go, okay, we're gathering with women and we're sharing each other's wisdom and we're learning from each other. And yeah, I'm really, really inspired by being able to meet other women in that place of equality and supporting and rising each other up rather than the, um, you know, the shadow of the feminine is to compete and pull each other down and to judge and criticize. And I just, I don't, I just really, really have this vision of being able to see the world at some point in our life where that can just be really held in a nourishing place with the female um, connection and relationships. And, and it definitely depends. Yeah. It's interesting because like, you know, through my um, journey, I like, found I was I found it really difficult to have relationships with females you know I found that there was just so much bitchiness that I was surrounded by and um it was very difficult and only in the past maybe two or three years have I become more in tune with my own femininity and through that it's so much easier to soften um around other females and then you just open this huge um beautiful world where like you can actually well I mean personally I've connected with females I find so much better you know and then actually seeing the beauty in females and that softness and mm -hmm. you know sharing um things that you know most guys would not be interested in even talking about and it, it provides that that it, it's just a it's a beautiful connection, beautiful connection. And it, it is very sad that like, you know, um, so many females may may not have ever experienced that. They may have just seen other females through the eyes of competition or bitchiness or, you know, whatever else may come up um, rather than seeing such a deep bond that you can actually share um, just purely by, you know, <laughs> seeing another female for who she is, you know, and, and, and wanting to get to know her without that veil. Um, surrounding it yeah for sure yeah and I, I really feel like it's um I, I feel like the more that we can step into that place of meeting each other just in humility and um and, and that's why I think the women's circles are really powerful because it's like you recognize that we are all on this journey and that uh pedestaling <laughs> um or judging it's it just creates separation but the healing actually comes from when we can just see each other as equal and 
I think our culture has created this natural separation because we are in this um, nuclear family environment. But in a lot of cultures still, you know, you are learning from your sisters, your aunties, your cousins, your grandparents, grandmothers, and they're, they're naturally in community. So this is taught from the very beginning, which is why I'm so like, I love, I feel so blessed that we're in the Byron Shire and community is a really high value here because we can, I can, witness my daughters just being in that space and it doesn't necessarily have to come from the words from the wisdom being passed down it's actually just from being and just like it just sitting and hanging and being in that place of just unconditional love is where the healing comes and i think that that like you said the judgment the criticism is is just from a place of wounding that 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 wasn't given that wasn't understood and so they want to protect and the, the way the ego wants to protect is by judging and separating because they're fearful of getting hurt themselves. And so I, I really think that if we can, um, you know, if we're experiencing that um, in, in, you know, as a woman, that disconnection from other women or not feeling good enough, it can, there can be something really powerful on a soul level if you can just look at, um, yeah, like diminishing the judgment on that person that's perpetrating because I think on even through that, the healing can come and it can create such a deepening in relationships and friendships. If you can try see somebody, if you're in a, a deep, more um, stable state, um, you can see somebody through that deep, stable state and so you can almost bring it out in them. So they start to feel deep and stable within themselves and then they may see another person within that state. And so even if one of them may, you know, have their mind racing 100 miles an hour or whatever it may be, by you just being that rock or that presence for them is so, once again, coming back to that word, so healing because, you know, like you're saying, it, it just allows you to come back to a state of total acceptance. And at the end of the day, we're all looking for acceptance. Like everybody is born wanting to be accepted and cared for and, you know, loved. Um, and so you seek that from another and if they reject you or whatever it may be, it, it's so painful and then people respond to that in various ways. But then to just release all of that and just be like, you know what, I am, I am home within my body. And providing that space is, is so powerful, so powerful. And it's amazing what you guys are doing to actually create such a beautiful space for so many people. Um, you don't actually know what the ripple effect that you guys are having is on the rest of the world. You know, you may heal one person who may go out and heal one person who may go out and heal one person. And um, so it continues and continues. It's very beautiful. Mm, thank you. Yeah, it is. It's so powerful and so humbling and you know, I guess it's also just, I just feel so much gratitude to the, the teachers that have also brought me to this place so that I can offer that space as well and continue to teach me. Like even, you know, my soul sister community and my family, like I'm constantly, I always just see it as like I'm in constant student mode as well. It's just so no, no. in the beginning we were talking about like your past and what led you to this position but was there ever a, a period in your life where you were like well how do I know that this is my calling how do I know that I'm making the right decisions because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are thinking well how do I know what my right path is you know how do I know what that passion is and you are a beautiful example of somebody who has followed that inner calling and it has absolutely blossomed into something that has changed so many people's lives how do you know that that was your calling um I guess it did take me to understand myself enough to know when something was bringing me such deep love and joy when I was in it and it's interesting because it was just about exploring like when and being open to <laughs> to, to so-called um you know failing or it is never really a failure but you know doing something and recognizing that like I'm not necessarily a creative person when it comes to for example pottery or clay I enjoy it but it and I love the mindfulness practice of it but it doesn't come naturally so I find like it did take a lot of me um exploring with what came naturally natural and what lit me up and I wasn't feeling really drained afterwards from it and 
Yeah, I mean, when I was living in Vancouver at 20 and I was working in the film and TV industry, like I really, I was so passionate about theatre and performance and making a difference in the world in that way. But um, I did go into teaching and I loved teaching. And this wasn't teaching yoga, that didn't happen for a couple of years after that. But I started teaching English and drama and I it just brought me so much energy to notice like it was to me that was facilitating what watching a classroom and just watching how much of a difference you can make in people's lives so like like i said following the breadcrumbs and recognizing okay so this really lights me up and then when i became passionate about yoga and did my first yoga teacher training then that sort of like you know i just kept following what i love and then i think if you love something enough and it's it's not loving it from a place of wanting it for anyone else. And I think that's what it took me from, um, to, that's why it took me a lot of commitment to my own spiritual path because I didn't want to come at it from a wound, a healer wound where I was like, okay, I'm doing this for other people, but I wanted to just do it for me and allow it to be embodied. And then in that place, ah, oh, I actually could offer this out to the world and that was a part of wanting to move back to Australia and my hometown because I recognised that I was, you know, seeing clients in various parts of the world, but I wasn't necessarily being filled up and I wasn't being supported by community and family. And um, so that was the next step, you know, being able to ground and anchor and receive the frequencies of the land that I grew up on as well. And and your your partner, I mean, you mentioned that you met him through um, the sun healing journey when you um, were training him. Um, did you have any previous partners before him where, you know, you had to say, okay, is this working for me? Is this not working for me? Or um, have you always had a very smooth? <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. I, I, I have and I... Um, yeah, I've, I've had quite a few relationships, like big loves in my life. And each one has taught me so much about myself. And I just feel such deep gratitude. Um, and it's interesting when I reflect, reflect back on my exes, because each one was also on their own spiritual path in some way. It didn't may not have looked like that externally, but it was some sort of path of personal growth. So we yeah, I I can see like when I reflect back on the partners that have brought me so so much um, growth was what propelled me more forward in my spiritual growth as well because I was forced then to go inwards and to come back to myself and spend time alone and and um, yeah. And I mean, I was overseas for a lot. So I was with a partner until for six years from 15 to 21. And then I was overseas and had a Canadian partner for four, three, four years. And then I was on the, um, I worked on the super yachts and I met a beautiful man on there who was a Kiwi, um, gorgeous soul. And he, he passed, like he had a, a, a freak accident when we were together over in France and so that was another initiation into grief and understanding grief and understanding death. And then I started to work in the spirit world where I then met another partner that <laughs> led me to up near Alaska where I was working with a lot of spirits that had passed on. And there was a lot of understanding that um, space between this physical reality and when spirits have really moved on, that bardo space. Um, and then, yeah, I moved back to Australia and had... Uh, an interesting couple of relationships, which were huge initiations um, <laughs> before I met Maddie, wow. who, you know, which is so interesting, like us coming together because we are very different in a lot of ways. Like some people look at us and think we look really physically similar and we run our business together and, you know, we have a mortgage together, we have kids together, we're best friends, but um, we also have had a very different upbringing. He grew up in Brisbane with um, a very, I guess, mainstream Australian family. And, but he started studying kinesiology when he was 18. So he was on his own path from a young age. And 
Yeah, I think where we really connected it is he brings me into presence because um, I recognize that I am such a committed, devoted, loyal person. And when it comes to not necessarily just relationships, but when it comes to my business and my work, like it can be all encompassing. And I have so many big visions on where we want to go in our business and the world and how we can make a difference. And he kind of just reminds me to come into my inner child and have fun and be, be playful. And um, he's an incredible father. And he's, I just, I feel so blessed that our two little daughters have chosen us to come through as parents, because I can really see that yin and yang between us and how we can both sort of give them what they need. Um, yeah, I think the thing yeah. that, that keeps coming up for me when I listen to you is like, you have the strong um, sense of self that you tend to listen to. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people fail is knowing, well, what is that self and how, how can I hear that inner voice? You know, because for every relationship that you've gone through, obviously I was, I was not there or don't know any of it, but there would have been some sort of um, voice or some sort of something for you to say, actually, this isn't working for me. And then actually, this isn't working for me. And this specific career, actually, this isn't working for me. And then you hit the space where it's like, wow, actually, this really resonates. And then you hit the space of um, your uh, beautiful company that you've started and, and, and blossomed. Wow, this really resonates for me. Um, and I, I really, um, I find that very admiring is like you having that mm. deep sense of, deep sense of self. Oh, that's such a beautiful reflection back. Thank you. And I... I don't think that it's um, always been like that. <laughs> Some, and what I believe is that if we're not listening to the inner messages for a really long time, the universe is going to give us a really clear message physically. So for me, like I kept ignoring the inner messages when I was in Vancouver and I was teaching, I was loving my life, but I could have easily gotten residency and just stayed there forever. And this partner and I, you know, it was like the choice of, are we going to be parents together or are we going to go our separate ways? And I broke my back and I, I was cliff jumping and I fractured my tailbone and, you know, base chakra, tailbone, like it was really it was really an indication of like one minute this I wasn't listening to my gut for so long here it had been probably a year or two where I just sort of and then that's where what happens I think with accidents or injuries or crises it's like okay I'd been ignoring it for too long so this made me listen I had to wake up because I had to come into presence and the same with death like I don't know if anyone's experienced death of someone close to you it's like you're in such deep surrender, like nothing becomes important anymore. And you're just in like this deep, like the grief just moves through you. So you don't like, you, you can't even use your mind. <laughs> and you, or I also like my experience of grief was I came into this deep like place of channeling and just opening as a vessel to spirit because I no longer was attaching, you know? So I think that, yeah, I, I really believe that if something, if you're ignoring it for too long, the universe is going to go, wake up call. Here it is. Are you ready to really look it in the face and listen to your, your, your inner light, your inner path? So once you broke, once you broke your um, spine or your your basal uh, pelvis or, or uh, whatever coccyx, coccyx yeah. what um, at that point? How did you know then? Because like if you didn't know before, and then you broke it, how were you like? Okay, hang on a second. You know this is not right. Or was there just a lot of drama around that that experience that you were like, okay? <laughs> there was a lot of yeah. There was a lot of drama. I was pretty alone. Like I had a couple of good girlfriends, and I was in that relationship, but. Um, it brought everything just to a head, I guess. And I feel like when I'm in crisis mode, journaling has always been a huge practice for me. And ever since I was a kid, I've had my own deck of Oracle cards in some way and meditation and using mantras. And so I, when I'm in full crisis, it's like I can no longer hide. Like, you know how sometimes practices come and go, but when you're, um, I know for me, I can't project that onto anyone else, but for me, 
if I'm just in this, you know, like the rigmaroles of life, just going from one thing to another, those practices can fall away. But when I'm in this place of, there's no other option here, I need to look to the universe or spirit or your guides or whatever, you know, you you call it, the divine, for answers. (laughs) Because I obviously don't have them. And I know that there's a bigger picture here. And that's, I guess, because of my upbringing, like you know my my mum is incredibly psychic and I've always um she's always supported that like even as kids there would be what if anything was going on be like okay you know maybe we had a sore throat because we weren't voicing something it was a blocked throat chakra or it was a what ascended master or guide or angel was working with us in that moment and so there was always a reflection of okay looking at something bigger um, and looking inwards. And that, and that seems to have really worked in your life. It really seems that, um, you know, you are actually following your calling and you, you happy and, um, you know, obviously nobody's in a permanent state of happiness, as we're saying, you know, it's life happens, but it seems that you have really cultivated those, those tools to such an extent that you are open and happy to help others, um, to heal and, um, let go and you can't do that unless you are in a state where you feel I am okay enough to help others you know most people are still trying to help themselves um and I understand like there's still that receptive element that you know the more that you're communicating with others and so on the more that you are still receiving at that point but um no it's 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 really powerful and I also think that um throughout like a lot of trainings that I personally did each training was an initiation with a certain teacher, but it was never just training and modality. It was always like, okay, the personal growth is here. How can we look at that? And this is why when we offer our trainings, it can't just be a sound healing meditation and breathwork training. It really is a reflection of, okay, but what, why are you offering this out and what is blocking you from stepping into your light and stepping into your, you know, your unique offering into the world. And I really believe that, that any juicy training, I mean, anyone that's done a, you know, good yoga teacher training, that's what it is as well. It's like, okay, you, you're asked to reflect inwards and only from that place can you offer something outwards. Very powerful. Very, very powerful. Um, so time has run away with us, unfortunately. Um, but what I would love to do is um, for those, you know, listening, where do they find you if they're interested in wanting to partake in some training, they're interested in wanting to delve into sound healing? Um, so we have a beginner's workshop, which I mentioned before, which is using crystal singing bowls for healing and meditation. And that teaches the technique on how to play the bowls, the histories of these instruments, the science behind the sound healing and how to look after your bowls and store them. And so that is just, we do do them live, um, but it's also just an online recorded option as well. So people can access that from all around the world. And... You know, part of us creating that workshop was that we felt that there were so many, um, so many bowls being sold across the world. And like I said, a lot of people just winging it, which is so beautiful, I think, to begin. But if people were really wanting to receive the deepest benefits of these instruments, that this is sort of goes into that place. Um, so that's our beginner's workshop, which is a prerequisite for our facilitator training. And we have a level one, which is group facilitation training, which is a sound of being facilitation. So that's breath work, meditation and sound healing with various instruments, gongs, Tibetan bowls, Native American flute, harmonium, crystal bowls. Um, gosh, so many more. And that is a seven day intensive, which is in person. We felt that it was really integral for us ethically to offer that in person. Um, and then it's six months online. So pre like. Um, immersion lectures and post-immersion lectures and assessments and then level two is working one-on-one with these modalities and that also weaves a little bit of the shamanic work into it as well and that's a similar layout of training and level three is just voice so working with um, activating voice holding space using mantras and kirtan and medicine songs and and um 
And then we have electives. So obviously Maddie and I are very passionate about so many different modalities. So we've, we've sort of created some electives on working with kids or using crystals for healing or music of the plants electives, um, which people can sort of add on to their trainings at different times as well. And yeah, I mean, the, this training sound of being um, is a, a completely certified training so you can practice anywhere in the world once you're certified as well and then so our business is sound healing australia soundhealingaustralia.com or on instagram or facebook sound healing australia and maddie and i also offer one-on-one sessions so as i said mine is a combination of body work and psychic healing as well as um, the energy work liquid crystals and shamanic work. It's a three hours with the holistic counseling as well. Um, I don't usually promote those very often because it is very word of mouth and I'm usually booked about four to six months in advance for the one-on-ones, but I love them. And if someone's really, really keen to do some deep inner work, I'm very passionate about supporting that and um, supporting them through that. And Maddie is a kinesiologist as well. So he weaves those into his three hour sessions. And yeah, <laughs> I think that's everything. I felt like that was a lot of sharing. No, it's, it's stunning. It was such a, it's such a beautiful conversation. Um, so I, I definitely have no doubt that people will uh, get a lot out of it. Um, I know I have. Um, and with all of those um, uh, different ways in order to find you, I'll definitely link them in the show notes below. So if anybody's keen to check them out, um, they'll be there waiting for you. Um, and then I just wanted to end uh, quite nicely with if you had one message uh, to share with the world, you know, being a podcast, <laughs> what would that message be? Uh, that I think, you know, we all have access to sound on a daily basis and we all have a unique frequency. So, using and being aware of the sound that is around us and what is bringing us out of our body and what is allowing us to sort of come inwards as well and um yeah i mean if we have a minute i would love just to finish with guiding us into just a, a practice of presence working with that if that feels all right I'd love that. Yeah. I'd love that. so inviting us to gently close down the eyes Lengthening through the spine, softening through the shoulders, the jaw, the brow. And just taking a couple of deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth. each exhale just inviting you to release a gentle sigh just letting the body know that it's safe to relax to let go deep breath in exhale let go inhale And exhale. Last one, deep breath in. Exhale, let go. And just noticing now the sounds that are around you. Trying not to focus on one particular sound, but just notice a sound and then moving on to another sound. just guiding your awareness inwards noticing the sound of your breath and 
maybe the sound of your heartbeat. Just allowing your awareness to come into the more subtle frequencies and see if you can just feel, or sense, or even hear the sound of your own unique frequency right now in this moment. wherever that frequency is at, not letting the mind come into any judgment, but just listening, just honoring whatever is there for you in this moment. Taking a deep breath in and exhale, let go. We'll do three breaths now, but as you exhale, just creating this sound ah, with a bit of voice. If there's any apprehension at all to using your voice, just holding yourself in that, just knowing that it's completely normal if you're not used to this practice. But this is a practice just for you. To feel what's there in your body and use the sound to guide you into a deeper presence. So with the exhalation, as long as you've got that breath, creating that ah sound. So deep breath in. taking a moment to just listen again to your frequency, your mind, your body. Mm. Namaste.